Hi, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Business Unveiled. I am super excited to interview my friend. He does so much stuff. I think that he is one of the guys that actually does maybe a few more things than I do. And he's amazing at doing all of it. He's an author, a podcast host, a speaker, an actor, an educator, a drummer, a trainer, helps kids at camps, like so, so, so talented. And Rich, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is fantastic. I want to go ahead and bring you on and jump in. I do want to tell our listeners a few of the cool things that you have done in your journey of being an entrepreneur, but I don't want to ruin any of the good stuff. So before we even jump into the goods of how you define Crash Entertainment, which you're the founder and CEO of, mm-hmm. and what all does... So first off, my first question, how did you pick Crash Entertainment? Like, does that mean something? Sure. Oh, yeah. Crash <laughs> is the acronym that stands for Commitment, Relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger. Commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger. And this is the basis of um, all of my speaking in the music industry and all my speaking for, you know, Fortune 100 companies like Hewlett Packard and Cisco. And um, it's just, you know, five things that anyone from any walk of life can use to be a more successful person. Oh my gosh, I love it. I've never heard that before. So I love that new word for the day or acronym for the day. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, cra- crash Course for Success. And yeah, I have a website, CrashCourseForSuccess.com. So yeah. That's awesome. So before we jump in and start talking about all the things that you have done and the things that you're good at and things that you love to do, like t- take us back to your background. Like where did you grow up and what even led you into the music industry, which really is in the creative industry? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vlog Easy. That is V as in victory. Vlog Easy is an app in the iTunes store for iPhones that help you make content videos as well as vlogging on the go to share with your audience. It has absolutely transformed the way that I do video and communicate with my audience. If you are looking for an app that allows you to edit on the go 
Or if you simply don't know how to edit videos, this app allows you to do just that. You can record yourself in a quiet room. You don't have to remember what to say. You can simply look at your notes and each time you're quiet and you pause, the Vlog Easy app takes all of those quiet moments out and edits everything together. It's like magic and it saves so much time. Vlog Easy allows you to record in vertical or horizontal formatting. You can import existing videos that live on your phone into the app and so much more. Vlog Easy Pro gives you the unlimited cloud backup as well as removing the watermark. Give it a try for free today. The link is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash Vlog Easy. And all caps. Vlog easy is case sensitive. So be sure that you've got that caps lock on and you're putting in vlog easy in all uppercase. V is in Victor, L-O-G-E-A-S-Y. Give it a try. I've been playing drums since dinosaurs roamed the earth, 1976. I got, I was hitting everything in sight and my ultra cools extra supportive parents believed in me and they got me a little blue sparkle snare drum and I played along with Kiss Records. And then in 1983, when the police came out with a record called Synchronicity, and then soon after it, Van Halen came out with 1984, I knew what I was going to do with my life. So I was very fortunate. You know, I tell kids all the time, you know, as soon as they find their their passion, which can then turn into their purpose, as soon as you identify that, it allows you to get to work and start putting in those tens of thousands of hours that you need to to be an expert. And I was just really lucky that I knew that that was going to be my passion and my purpose in life. And, you know, it's taken me around the world and, you know, I've gotten to experience different cultures and foods and people, you know, playing the drums. And so the listeners, you know, don't know my, my day job is I play drums for um, country megastar Jason Aldean for the last 20 years. And he was just uh, voted uh, the Dick Clark award for entertainer of the decade. And, I just played on my 27th number one hit that you can hear on the radio every hour. So that was a That's really, really, amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Just a fun thing, you know, so I've been playing drums forever. And then along the way, you know, I got a master's degree in education from the famed University of North Texas. And I played all sorts of different kinds of music, everything from ABBA to Zappa and, and everything in between. And I've never missed a meal, you know, I mean, there were some hard times, you know, when I moved to Nashville in 1997, I parked cars, I waited tables, I made copies, I was a courier, I did construction work and, and um, did all those things that, you know, uh, people that want to get from point A to point B with a dream do, you know. So how, okay, so as a child, like you knew, I want to play the drums, I don't care how I get there, but were your parents in music as well? No, I'm the black sheep of my family. Okay. Um, yeah, no one in my family. My dad is a, was a merchandise accountant for 30 years, and he ran the factories in Juarez, Mexico, that uh, made um, Danskin leotards and Victoria's Secret underwear. And Oh, my God. I know the secret, if you want to know the secret, Victoria's Secret. And my mom was a career uh, nurse, and a lot of people in my family are doctors and nurses and respiratory techs and work in hospitals. And so I know all about uh, that industry, but you know, my parents never said, be a doctor, be a lawyer. They said, Oh, you want to play music? Okay. Well, we'll help you go to college and you can get all the skills you need to give yourself a fighting chance at being successful in this 
insane industry that really has no rules. It's the wild west. Um, yeah. Yeah. West, so when you, <laughs> yeah. Right. When, so when you went to college, did you go to school like for music business or what specifically did you study in college? Yeah, the safest degree in the music business is, is uh, called music education, which um, qualifies you to teach uh, kindergarten music or be a band director or direct the marching band or be a percussion specialist that works with all the bands and gets the drum line ready for the Friday night football game. And, and I knew that I was, I was happy to get uh, good grades and, you know, get A's and get my degrees and get, get my teaching certification. Uh, but I always knew that I was going to be a performer and I just used those seven years of higher education as a buffer between me and the real world where I can get my tens of thousands of hours in and have my skills together so I can move to a Nashville, New York, Los Angeles. So how did you know, okay, I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to move to Nashville? Like what, what was that point? Like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then can you take us on the journey when you first got to Nashville? Cause I know you said you did a bunch of different things, but that, that's the cool thing about Nashville. Like you could be at dinner, you never know who the hell you're talking to and like what they do sometimes. So Absolutely. And now, yeah. nowadays it's like the Uber drivers. It's like, that'll pick me up and they're like, oh, I'm just doing this for extra money because during the day, like I do this and, or during the night or during the season, it's like, everybody is nice. It's like, you, you really don't run into anybody who's like a snotty ass, at least I haven't in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what really, I know music brought you here, but when did you know, like, okay, I got to get my ass to Nashville? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's really three cities to, to take your music career to the next level. And it's New York, Los Angeles and Nashville. And some people say, Oh, there's Miami and Seattle and Austin and Chicago, but I consider them secondary markets. Um, you really got to go to the, one of the big three cities. And I really am a Los Angeles guy. I love the sunshine. I love the palm trees. It's it's a city of ambition. People are working on stuff. It's very forward thinking. It's multicultural. And when I moved to Nashville in 1997, it was not multicultural. It was Mm-mm. very segregated. It was very, this is what we do here, boy. We play country music. You know, I was like, what am I doing here? I'm from <laughs> Connecticut. What the hell am I doing here? But I decided to go there because um, Trisha Yearwood, Dina Carter, and Barbara Mandrell were nice enough to me to give me auditions while I was living in Dallas. So after I got my master's degree from the University of North Texas, um, which is in Denton, Texas, 30 miles outside of Dallas, I would drive every night into into Dallas and play in top 40 bands and fusion bands and dance bands and like big band jazz. And I played for Robert Tilton's, you know, orchestra and I did jingles and, and it was, and I taught, it was a really, really fun thing, but there's a glass ceiling on most of those type cities. Like I said, you got to go to the big three. So I was all set to move to sunny Los Angeles and I, these wonderful ladies, you know, gave me an audition and, and I would fly into Nashville and I would audition for them. And like, you're so great. Oh my God, I would love to hire you, but I didn't live in Nashville. So you know, you must be present to win. It's much like location is everything like owning a great restaurant. And I, so I packed up my bags. I gave my band in Dallas two weeks notice and I moved to Nashville with 400 cassette demo tapes and uh, no money saved and a little pickup truck, one set of drums and a black cat named Cha Cha. And I started cold calling people in the, in the, in, in, in the paper, in the back of the Nashville scene and doing auditions and, crashing parties and 
And uh, I, I moved to Nashville on a Tuesday and I had a job playing drums on Saturday night of that week. And, and, I, and it was just one handshake at a time, one relationship, you know, people corroborating each other's stories and giving me opportunities and never burning bridges and just building upon that thing over 24 years. That is awesome. So when did you decide after music and drums, like, okay, I'm going to speak, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to launch a podcast. Like, did you kind of do it all at once or was it, it's like one thing led to another? One thing leads to another, and this is something that comes up all the time now in this, you know, this culture of Gary V's and Grant Cardone's where everyone's right? like, how do we do this? Everyone's an entrepreneur, right? So, so <laughs> you got to get good at one thing. You have to be an expert at, some, at something for people to take you seriously. And as you're on your journey of excellence and consistency and persistence and determination and kicking doors open and falling in love with rejection, you'll cultivate um, a network of true believers, uh, call it a tribe, call it a clique, you know, friends, you know, I mix business and pleasure. People say, don't do that. It's all I do. It's like, an <laughs> right. So along the way, you'll have these people. And as your network grows, as soon as I want to accomplish something else, I send up a flare. Look, at this is what I'm trying to do, guys, gals. And people will most likely say, call this person, call this person. Well, they'll help you on your journey. So I knew that my purpose in life was to affect people in a positive way and change lives. And I knew that I could do that through two things, entertainment and education. So am I an entertainer? Yeah. My girlfriend is a fashion designer in Los Angeles. She, she calls me her little show pony. She goes, was like, drum roll, you know? I mean, I was born for <laughs> But I am also have a teacher's heart, and I love sharing information with people. So through doing those two things, I'm fulfilling my, my purpose in life. You know, whether, you know, I've been to 20 countries playing shows for the U.S. military and in places like Sarajevo and Bosnia and South Korea and Iceland. It's like, where am I in the world? Um, but I know that those people were massively affected by bringing this gift of music. And so, uh, you know, I just, I am an entrepreneur. I have that business mind. And so I was like, how can I continue to do this thing that I love, but, you know, mix art and commerce, you know, the, music is an art form and, and it's not, music and business don't really go together. Right. Like, to sit behind a set of drums every day. And that was my goal for 35 years. And so I always was just really persistent and creative and treating myself like a business, treating myself like a brand and shouting from a mountaintop and trying to find those people that were true believers in my products and services. That's awesome. It's so unique because, um, you know, I work with a lot of people in the music industry naturally from I grew up in Nashville and um, most of them don't know jack shit about business <laughs> that's why they have to have business managers and um, they are amazing creative artists but they definitely have to have someone driving that like in the driver's seat for the business but it mm -hmm. sounds like you really found your way and is that, did that, is that something that just came natural or were you observing like other businesspreneurs around or in the music industry? Like how did you get your head on so straight where it's like, I, I'm a creative, but I can run a damn good business and be an entrepreneur. Like yeah. how did that happen? Yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I, of course I'm a big student of self-help. 
um, your, you know, your Zig Ziglar's and your Tony Robinson's and your Leo Biscaglia's and your Napoleon Hill's. Like I've studied all these people and read all their books. Thanks to my mom. She had all these books in her library and I would study this stuff. And, you know, that kind of grew from me becoming a drum teacher to doing drum camps to doing speeches for corporate America and then doing the speeches for corporate America led to me hosting and then studying acting and voiceover. And to me, these things are all related. And what it is, is I'm looking at a calendar of 30 days. Now the average musician in middle America, they're lucky if they can work in a cool band that works Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Now what do they do for the rest of the week? They've got some sort of a, a day job. So for me, my definition of success was to, was I was never going to settle for being the weekend warrior that played drums on Friday and Saturday. I, I want to play my drums 340 days a year. And so to do that, I have to treat myself, you know, like a business. And so I tell musicians, look at, okay, these are all the ways you can create revenue streams for yourself. You can be a recording musician in a traditional recording studio. You can have your own recording studio. You can produce records, you can write songs, you can be a touring musician and you can educate and you can write for magazines. You can create your own educational events and you can have your own online. That's like eight revenue streams that are in your, my one lane yeah. of just being a musician. And then if you're open to recognizing if you're self-aware enough of knowing these are things that I am good at. So I'm a good conversationalist. I have the gift of gab. I'm a people person. I'm outgoing, I'm comfortable with a microphone, I can think on my feet. There's a million things you could do with those skill sets. But you have to be brave, you have to be bold. I tell people everything you want in life is on the other side of fear, and fear is the pool that's filled with sharks. Blood is in the water, and you jump into that pool, and you will swim to the other side. But if you want to get the good things in life, you're going to have to suffer. I mean, there was ramen noodle and there was <laughs> for real, <laughs> there was balance bars on maxed out credit cards and driving bad cars and setting up my drums for six years before, you know, with Jason Aldean, before I had any help, it, you just do the work. And, um, yeah, I say, you know, don't read fiction, Read books on business development, self-help, positive thinking, entrepreneurialism, all that stuff. So people that are listening that don't have great tools like this, like obviously because you have a lot of experience, you're well-connected, Nashville does have an amazing entrepreneurial community, but for the people who don't have tools, like what are your, do you have like your top three go-to books where when you read it, it's like this changed my life? Any of the Napoleon Hill books, like The Law of Success is a great one. And if you just really want to just kind of like ease your way into law of attraction and positive thinking, I would start with The Secret. You know, it gets a bad rap. Like, you know, if I want to, if I want to have a, a, a cherry red Ferrari, I can just think it into manifestation. Well, no, you have to do the work. But, you know, studies have shown that it's way easier to think positively and maintain positivity. It takes twice as much energy to cultivate and maintain negative thoughts. So I just tell people stay in the land of unicorns and rainbows. And if you, you are a person, you are going to get off on the wrong side of the bed. You're not going to want to go do that workout. You're not going to want to go 
go to work and and I just do I have things to set to reset the channel I'll go have a glass of red wine with a close friend um, coffee makes me happy uh, the film alien I love I listen to positive music I get a workout I watch Rocky I birds of a feather flock together I have great friends in my life so I can use those techniques to reset myself and another another thing to keep you on track is just gratitude so the first thing I do every day when I take a shower is just do my gratitude list, you know, and it doesn't have to be, it's your version of a higher power. It could be the universe. It could be your higher power. It could be God, Jesus, Muhammad, uh, Buddha, but just say, Hey, thank you so much for my health. Thank you so much for my friends, my family. Thank you for my skill set that allows me to change people's lives. And just by doing that, just taking a stock of the great things in your life, more great things come into your life. And then you're not the negative Nelly that people don't want to be around. So would you suggest to people that if they're surrounded by people that are constantly bringing negativity into their life, like get them out Absolutely, Trim surround the fat. yourself with the right people? Absolutely. Get rid of yeah. those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the older I get, you know, you hear that from entrepreneurs, at least I didn't even freaking know how to spell the word. <laughs> like, you know, when I first got into some of these business groups and you hear people say like, just get rid of the people. And I'm like, it's just not that easy. Like I'm friends with these people. And then I would sit there at dinner and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have nothing in common. I can't fix your problem with your boyfriend or your husband because we've been talking about this for 10 years you're not going to change you're not going to leave and I have nothing to offer you and it's a give get situation it's like I'm constantly giving but what value am I getting in the friendship well so, sometimes the value is is financial you know you are going to have to do business all the time with people you might not resonate with maybe you're a, maybe you're a someone that shines very very bright and you have to deal with people that are that they don't shine and they have a glass half, half empty. That's going to happen all the time. So the only thing you could do is show up first, be the last one to leave, have a firm handshake, connect with people, find common interests, exceed expectations consistently. And, um, you know, you will cultivate this amazing reputation and then the right people will always find you. And then you'll have fewer and fewer situations where you'll have to deal with the negative now which is amazing. So what guidance do you have for people that, because you do so much about managing your time and how do you pick and choose? I mean, clearly you have, you know, when I know Jason's on tour, like you're with Jason, when you are doing your book stuff, you're doing your book stuff when you're speaking, but how do you pick and choose those opportunities or those jobs selectively like do you have a process for that yeah that's a good question i you know uh i'm very fortunate in the sense that i've been playing with the same entertainer for uh you know 22 years and at 20 years and then non-stop on the road for 15 so we're fortunate that like years ago we used to do 220 shows a year and then as the brand grew we would do 180 shows then 160 shows then it became 120 and then for like seven years we did 80 shows a year and now Jason uh, Aldean is in a point where he's like a McGraw or a Chesney where he can do 50 shows a year so that opens up more time for me to do other things but for me everything is happening literally at the same time so oh on the road I only have to be on stage for 90 minutes a night so it leaves my day open to 
write the books and do podcast interviews and go and teach drum lessons or do a corporate speech during the day before my sound check. And the way we record is I, I well, I have my whole schedule with Jason Aldean a year in advance. And so then I actually get to put my creative schedule together like Tetris. So it's not like I'm going to sit, sit around in Nashville Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, those 72 hours go to the highest bidder. So from doing all my due diligence and trying to never burn a bridge and consistently have a quality product, all these wonderful opportunities will find me in those 72 hours and whatever doesn't land from those opportunities, I create opportunities for myself. So I never really have a day off. You know, I, I have to decide if I want to have a day off to regroup, which I do recommend. But um, yeah, so the, the, the corporate speeches are a priority. So that comes in and, or, and, and I put that around my schedule and that's a color on my eye calendar. And then recording sessions are a color on my eye calendar. Jason Aldean is a color. Other artists are colors. Recording my podcast is a color. And then when I have more than five days off, I come to sunny Los Angeles and I take hosting classes and I take acting classes. And I just, after four years as an actor, I got my SAG card, which I'm really proud of because there are people that have been acting for 15, 20 years and they still don't have their SAG card. So I said, I will do that. And then I, at great expense, because I'm flying to Los Angeles, I'm paying rent in Los Angeles. I have another car out here acting classes. I mean, this stuff was, is all the sweat of my brow. And what I do is I invest in myself first. Yeah. And that's education. It's clothing. It's um, promotional and marketing materials. Um, Cause I am the brand, you know, I'm the face right. of my company. I'm the personal trainer. I'm the secretary. I'm, and I do have help. You know, I have a, a young man that sets up my drums for me on the road and he's mm-hmm. schedule and he's so great at what he does and I don't have any children. He's like half my age. So he's like, I treat him like a son. And then he helps me organize everything for my speeches and my educational events. And so he's what I call a 10 percenter. And a lot of people in the creative arts, they're surrounded by people that are 10 or 20 percenters. So you handle this particular thing and take all these business things off my plate and you get 10 to 20 percent of the income. So I have a lot of those type people in my life that help a little. That's awesome though. But again, you've made a very specific decision of how you're going to do this. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you're getting this just by hearing the passion in Rich's voice. Like it seems like everything you do, you love it. Um, And again, there's always hard times. You're always going to run into the good, the bad, the ugly, but you always make an opportunity out of anything that you run into. Um, So when you decided to write your book, take us down that road. Like, how did you do it? Did you record and dictate and someone helped you do it while you were back and forth on the road? Because I know writing a book can be a lot and some people they'll work on it for three or four years um so how did what what did that journey look like for you that's a great question so yeah my book is on amazon in two formats it's called crash course for success five ways to supercharge your personal and professional life it's an easy read 90 minutes on a southwest flight and it's part memoir and part um self-help so how to be a successful person and enjoy your life through the eyes of a creative. So um, for me, it started out as a 
book that was going to be, so you want to move to Nashville, right? Dot, dot, dot. And yeah. almost like, this is a, a book that's going to save five years on a musician's journey. But it's so much larger than that because Crash has been the basis of all my motivational speeches for corporate America for the last decade, but I didn't have a book. So I said, I got to get this book out. So I, I hired a, um, a, not a ghostwriter, just a with. So my buddy Paul D. Penn uh, was a published author and, and, and I was like, hey, do this with me. Help me get outside of myself. It's like writing your own bio. It can be difficult at times. So sometimes- Hell you yeah. <laughs> so my book, I think, I think it took five years just because like Ooh. I'm always playing drums and I'm always traveling. So, and I, and I, it was also- paralysis by um, this thing has got to be incredible because it's the basis yeah. of the next 20 years. So this book has is everything. But then I it was just like, look it, I got it to a point where Paul and I were happy with it. I got it to an editor to double check it. And it was like, this sucker is coming out. And for anybody out there that wants to write the book, just do it and do realize it. that it's not going to be perfect. You can always do a second edition. And more than anything, unless you are a Gary Vee or a Stephen King, you're never going to get rich from it. It is a business card. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you the permission to do things like speak or do online training or have seminars, retreats. You have to have a book. Um, so I would just say do it. And, you know, and now, I'm, now that I have my team together, and I know that I have my favorite co-author, I have my favorite editor, I have my favorite graphic person, I have a voiceover guy that, that produces me for the, the audible version that's coming out. It's like, I'm gonna do a book a year or every other year. I already got the title for the second one. It's like going to the gym. Sometimes you, you, you dread it. You're like, I do not wanna do this. But the hardest part is putting the keys in the ignition of the car. Once you get to the gym and that first bead of sweat starts producing, you go, why do I not do this consistently every day? It feels so good. Yep. So just take that first step and have the follow through and put a complete date on the calendar. It's like every musician that I, that I, um, that I kind of mentor, they're like, I'm going to move to Nashville. I want, I was like, well then put a date on the calendar and stick. Mm-hmm. By because there's always going to be, there's never going to be the perfect time though. You got to paint your white picket fence and you got the little pug that's throwing up everywhere. And Oh, my wife and I just had kids now. we got to save for college. It's like, you got, you just got to get there. Yeah. You're, you're so speaking my language. Like I love to calendar block. It's how I get shit done. It's the only way I get shit done. And one of my girls recently said to me, um, we had an intern recently and we change interns every eight weeks. And so at the end of our eight weeks, most of the, the kids, they have to write these papers and do these great projects. And so she's like, gosh, I can't remember exactly what I did every day. And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, just go back and look at it on your calendar. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, pull up your calendar on your, your Mac. And it was empty. And I'm like, where, how did you know where to be every day? And she goes, oh, well, at the end of each day, I would just delete it. And I'm like, oh, we need to have a conversation <laughs> about why you use a calendar and how you can track your time. 
and see what you're doing with your time when you incorporate colors. And so when you were like, it's this color and this is the same way with everything that we do. And so, and then you can share them with different people. And so one of my girls, she's like, you, you don't really explain to people the power of like your little Christmas tree looking calendar and you're able to accomplish so much and stretch yourself, but in a good passionate way to help others and to do whatever you want to do. And if you want to make time for the gym, you'll make it happen because it's on your calendar. I would, yeah, so, I would, I would love to see your calendar system because my, Mine isn't quite as advanced, advanced. It's a little disorganized. I've got like the iCal and then I've got yeah. a to-do list that's like for a mile long and the, 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 the things at that moment that are the most important that day or that week keep moving up to the top of the list. And then I have a calendar that like is like an app that's for Alvin's schedule. So it's a, it's a little bit of a nightmare. It's like Tetris. But, um, you know, if you want to do things in life, you've got 24 hours in a day they say you only need four hours sleep, but then new studies have shown that, that people, they're recommending nine hours. So for me, sometimes I get three, sometimes I get four. If I can get nine sometimes, like on, a, on the bus with Jason, I'll get my sleep. You know, yep. people, you don't sleep, how do you do it? But just think in terms of your life, in terms of hours and minutes, like the clock is ticking. And you don't want to be a member of the woulda, coulda, shoulda club. You don't want that on your tombstone. You want to go out there, affect people positively, achieve the things you want to achieve in life. And the only way to do that is being very hard on yourself and being very methodical about how you are treating time. It's, it's so precious. You can't buy it back. And when I come and do your podcast, yeah. I'm going to fix your calendar and it's oh, going to yeah. change your life <laughs> because we, we've migrated. Like I've, I've ended up teaching classes for Apple because Apple doesn't show you how you can effectively use their platform and pull in like all the G Suite stuff and all the Gmail stuff and the Yahoo stuff and the AOL and the Juno for those of us who remember what that was. Um, And then one other thing that you said that I really want to point out is if you have a message, which we all have a message and you want to write a book, just effing do it because the same uh, kind of the same thing happened to me where I had gotten asked to speak at a conference. It was an international event conference. And in order to be a speaker, you had to have a book. Well, I didn't have a book. And I really didn't care about a book because I don't read books. Like, thank God for Audible. Mm-hmm. I was never that girl that like read. I'm like a doer. I need to to learn. I mean, I'm a, I love YouTube videos because I watch, people are like, how do you know this shit about software? I'm like, I'm, I'm a nerd. I watch YouTube videos. I, I teach myself. <laughs> and so that's how I thrive off of education. And so I was like, oh, you're going to tell me no, but I can't, I can't share my message because I don't have a book. Well, screw that. So I hired somebody and we, he was like, Angela, you have a podcast, you have a video tip series. I'm going to take all your tips that you talk about in your podcast and in your video tips. And I'm just going to give it to an editor editor. And this is how much you're going to pay her. And you're going to have a book. And it happened in like, like three weeks, like under a month. And, and then I went back to that company. I'm like, Hey, I have a book now. <laughs> And I got to go speak. But then I went to a conference with a friend um, and it was all about how to launch a book and how to get it out there and how to market it and all that stuff. There were thousands of people in the room and the guy was like, how many of you have started your book, but it's not published? And like over half of the room, like 
said, yeah, you know, I've started it. I mean, no shit. That's why we're all there. And he, he put up on the screen, I'll never forget, like all these bestsellers that are just junk. One of the bestsellers, it was a gag book that said How to Please Women, volume one. <laughs> and the cover was hilarious in the back Sounds of it. It's like a really thick book, ladies. Oh, it was thick. But the best thing, it was blank. There was nothing in the book. It was just a bunch of blank paper. <laughs> and then he did a volume two and did it even thicker. So, I mean, the point was, it's like, it, just do it. Like, and you're going to have people that come back to you and say, you should have a comma here and a period here. And I'm like, if that's what you took away from my book, like I'll pray for you. I'm not striving for perfection here. I'm striving to get things out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. To like help people. Um, do you ever have people after like you do you speak come up to you and tell you that you had a, a word spelled wrong in your slides? Have you ever had that happen? No. You know what's funny is, is I I don't use PowerPoint or slides. It's like really it's almost I'm almost gotcha. like a people um I've had one person in twelve years of speaking come up and say, You really should use PowerPoint so I can take notes. I'm like, just listen to what I'm saying. Uh-huh. My whole thing on my speech is that if it's like, if you took Tony Robbins and Jerry Lewis and Animal from the Muppets, that's my speech. So it's like people get to see me drum because it's the physical manifestation of my purpose and my passion. And then through storytelling and humor and the crash philosophy, I play a hit song and then I talk about commitment commitment that I used in my life and my journey, but also how that company and their goals and their products and their culture can benefit from, from my story. And so from the talk play format and all the sweat and all the ranting, it's a super tidy and fast 60 minutes. And they go, wow, I can remember that crash. Oh my God. That's all I need to remember. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm going to plan on ever, using slides and there's a reason also for that is like I like to I I have to set up a set of drums every time I do a speech but it's a it's lean and mean it's like an iPod and a cable that's like a band in a box but once you start doing slides and what if your technology crashes multimedia you're relying on it and it crashes which it will you know so uh, but no usually people are come up and it's like that was so fun and you and you got your sweat on me That's great. Well, so do you, when you go to these large conferences, do you like being the opener or the closer? I'm usually hired to be the opener or the closer, usually the closer. Um, But there have been some 7 a.m. kickoffs where it's like I'm speaking to 300 dentists in Austin and it's like 7 a.m. And I I come out and I play the drums and I'm like, guys, I will be your uh, human espresso shot this morning. Yeah. Um, and that it, it, it's, it's always fun. You know, I, I will speak to anyone anywhere. I, I really enjoy it. That's so awesome. And you, so when do you find time to act? What would give, and, and I know you do voiceovers. Like yeah, what so is, what I, I is just, that I, about? Yeah. It's, um, you know, I took a voiceover class in Nashville with a friend of mine, Eric Stewart, who produces at my audible a book and he will probably produce the next one. And our friend Jim McCarthy has been a great uh, yep. friend there. And um, I'm, you know, I have a friend in, in Hollywood that's just got two cartoons picked up and he's, 
he's pitching me to try to be one of the voice actors. And I just take classes and I created my own short films and my own reels. And, you know, the actor's life is the average actor in Hollywood uh, act, um, auditions 80 times for every, oh. for every one job they get, they go to 80 auditions. That's why every actor in Hollywood is a parks cars or as a barista or as a waiter because they need a flexible job to go do those auditions. I don't necessarily have the time to do a lot of the auditions. So the majority of the acting jobs I've gotten have come from personal relationships with directors and producers and writers. So um, first acting job was in a horror film called Reawaken that should be hitting Redbox. And that was a personal relationship. And then the next horror film I did is on Netflix and I played a small part. I played an over-caffeinated radio DJ, kind of like Casey Kasem. And that's in a movie uh -huh. called All Light Will End. And that's a horror film on Netflix. And then I, was, I played a uh, police captain and I got to act all day with uh, Christopher Maloney from SVU Law and Order. I was in uh, episode 208 of a show on the Sci-Fi Channel called Happy. And that was a personal relationship. And then from that personal relationship, I'm going to be doing a part in a Civil War uh, feature that shoots in October. So uh, people are giving me these opportunities. So it's my responsibility to be undeniable when I show up on set. And I do that by taking private lessons, taking classes and you know, I didn't have the luxury of acting like when I was four years old, like a lot of people do. I came into it later in life, but I approach it with the same methodical approach that I did to get from point A to point B in the music business. So do people ever say to you, and if they do, how does this make you feel when they're like, you're so lucky? Do oh, you, yeah, I love get, that. you get that? And well, we're, that we're lucky in the sense that we're not digging ditches. We actually get to you know, be in the air conditioning uh, you know, the majority of the time and do something that makes us happy. So usually I just say, you know, well, this was really funny. Like our, our pal, Jim McCarthy, he's a, he's a drummer. He played mm -hmm. drums for a long, long time. And then a, I don't say he abandoned it, but he went into radio broadcast, but the guy can still play a mean beat. And so he goes, you know, I can play the drum part to that Jason Aldean song, Hicktown. I said, of course you can play it. It's not rocket science. I said, but what separates me from a, a, a drummer that says is playing it down on Tootsies for tips is that I have to go out there and play that probably for the 2000th time. Like it's the first time I've ever played it and it. And I could be underslept, jet lagged, dehydrated, have the flu. It doesn't matter because the show must go on. And I have the most responsibility of anyone on that stage. I set the tone and the energy and the pace and who knows how many thousands of calories I'm burning every night, you know, and that's, yeah. That's what separates a, a hobbyist or a weekend warrior from somebody that has the chair. Like I have that chair and it comes with a massive responsibility. Yeah, massive. Like people say that to me a lot. They're like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You get to do this and that. And I'm like, well, I, I, I've worked really hard really for hard. it. Like, <laughs> and it's not luck. Like you, like, like you assert yourself, you, and you said people give you these opportunities to do all these films. And like you said, every single thing that you've gotten has been through a personal relationship, it sounds like. And so the point is, 
I mean, even you and I, like Jim and I, I, um, I did a commercial for one of a, a catering company probably 10 years ago. And Jim was working at the radio station and I walk in and we just start talking and he's like asking me questions and we're cutting up and I had practiced my little script. Um, I do a lot of videos and so I talk a lot and, but I also probably cuss too much, but I grew up around that, you know? So I, my, my dad, I was around that and DEA agents like as a young child growing up. And so he was like, we're done. I'm like, what do you mean we're done? What, what, don't we need to get started? And he was like, I've already recorded everything you just said. I have plenty of, of B-roll. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, well, shit, what did I just say? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know you were recording me, you sneaky thing. And so, um, you know, we cut up and had fun. And then years passed and I was driving down the road and my car caught on fire. And um, it freaked me the F out. But I, when your car says like, go get it serviced. Like I was too busy. I thought I just needed oil change, but there was like a leak in the radiator and it caught fire. But I, um, I had to go get a new car, but I didn't want a new car. My car was fine and I didn't really have time to car shop. So I drove a runner for like a month. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm going to go to some of the different dealerships. And then I walk in to one of the dealerships and there's Jim. I'm like, why are you selling cars? I'm like, he's a, he's you're a natural salesman. He's definitely, I know. I'm like, your yeah. voice is incredible. Yeah. And so then he's like, you know, we've just kept in touch over the years. He was on my podcast. I was on his podcast. And then he's like, you've got to meet my friend, Rich. And he's like, he's got this book and he's a great speaker. And it's funny because when I first talked to you, one of my team members was in the car and she was like, oh my God, he's like the boy version of you because mm -hmm. we're just like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. But it's like, you never get bored, but you really use those personal relationships in a very healthy way to make sure that you are getting to where you need to go. And if someone's taking you down a path that's not really what you're thinking, get out. And yeah. there's been relationships before where business relationships where I get in and I'm like, fuck, like this isn't really aligning with my brand. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Have you had those situations where people ask you to do things or you've been in a situation where you're like, mm, this really doesn't go along with my brand. And if you did, like, how did you handle that? Sure. Um, you know, yeah. You know, in the early days when you're trying to establish your reputation, you take everything. I would tell everybody like, you know, saying no is a luxury. You know, and <laughs> just until yeah. recent years that I could say no to things because in the early days, yeah, I mean, like I said, I backed up mimes and jugglers and kick jokes for comedians and played in symphony orchestras and, and played in, you know, salsa orchestras where I didn't speak Spanish. And I played bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and supermarket grand openings and strip clubs and biker bars. And if I was going to play the drums, if I had that opportunity, I would go because even if it didn't pay anything. I was heightening and deepening my skill set, and I was going to advertise my brand and meet people and shake hands. And what a lot of people don't do is they don't maintain those relationships. They don't follow up with relationships. And it gets harder the more people come into your life, but it's just the key to everything. People are the key to 
everything. So nowadays, um, if somebody wants to meet some, say, some recording artist, and he plays on the weekends in Des Moines, Iowa, and he's putting out a CD, and he goes, wow, I can have Jason Aldean's drummer record drums on my record, and I don't even have to fly to Nashville. I, I just send him the files over the zeros and ones of the Matrix interweb, and he records and then sends me my drums back for my record. Wow. So the first thing I do is I say, can I hear some of your music? And if they suck, even though I'm probably going to miss out on several thousand dollars, I politely say no, because that's going to be a day of my life I can't get back. And, and you know, uh, I'm going to be 50 next year. And what do I have another 20 years of a strong earning potential and really good health? So it's like, how can I spend that time in a better way? I could... You know, I could I could uh, do so many more things that that I enjoy that are in line with uh, what I enjoy doing now. Or someone asked me to host a, a um, public service announcement for guns or gun control. Or I was like, I don't have guns. I don't know anything about that. So this is probably not the job for me. So I politely passed on that, even though I really need you know, more footage of me as a host. So uh, sometimes you just have to like follow your gut, your gut, your, your intuition, that gut feeling is a gift from God. It's the, it's, it's like fight or flight. It's like our version of the animal world. If you get a funny feeling from somebody in your gut, usually 99% of the time it is correct. Yep. And if you didn't hear that, like back up the track, I was yeah. like, rewind. Um, but follow your gut. Like there's been, and, and I mean, I just have entrepreneur itis sometimes where people come at me and the older I get, the more you really do consider like, okay, is this a good use of my time? Am, am I going to have fun doing it? Is this my passion? Do I want to help? Um, I mean, even with podcasts, we were chatting about this earlier and people come at you and they're like, oh, I want to sponsor this and sponsor that. And they just throw money at you. And it's like, well, wait, like, no, it, it has to go along with the brand. It has to best serve my audience. Like somebody actually sent me a cute little paper planner and was like, can we sponsor? I'm like, I don't use paper. If you know anything about me and clearly you've never listened to anything, I don't use paper. So no, <laughs> like I'm not going to use your paper. Um, so if you have someone asking you to do things and you're listening, it's okay to say no. It's okay. Like you're not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's hard sometimes to say no. Um, and I will agree with you. Like the first 10 years when I first started planning weddings, I said yes to everything. I mean, it about killed me. Um, from doing so one year, we did like over 200 and something. And I'm like, I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I didn't work out. You know, I was just working for everybody else. And but I, I almost had to go through that year to learn the value of time and learn the value of pre qualifying a job before I took it. So I totally, yeah, totally and I, I agree with you a there. lot of weddings. I mean, I find people all the time, you know, these. I won't say it's all millennials uh, because it's, it's all ages, but um, people that are like, no, I'm not going to wear a tuxedo, go play in a wedding band. I'm like, listen to me. Some wedding musicians sometimes are the most talented musicians because they have to, a good wedding band will play music from like 1920, the birth of jazz to like Iggy Azalea. 
and like everything in between to keep people entertained and on that dance floor and you're going to make money. All you got to do is wear the tuxedo was the problem, you know, and I did that for years. I really made me a better musician. Yeah. So like, as you continue to grow your brand, like, I know you've got like the podcast. I know Jason has his ninth record coming out. How long did it take you guys to produce that? You know, it's so funny with the speediest band in the world because Jason uh, gets pitched the greatest songs in the world from the greatest songwriters in the world in Nashville, the songwriting capital of the world. And we have a wonderful producer and the same team of people that are, because we have a very family culture and we just go in there and we just knock it out. It's just, it's not like back in the day where, you know, Guns N' Roses took two years to do Appetite for Destruction because there was this massive, you know, it was the velvet rope cocaine era of the music business and money was just mm-hmm. flying everywhere and they couldn't find the musicians and where's Slash, you know, and they ended up being a great recording. But nowadays, you know, we get so much done in three hours that it, we get a lot done and it's just great songs and the key to everything is having a great song. So if you have any listeners, you know, that are fans and have supported us over the last 15 years, we really appreciate it. Cause I get to go sit behind the drums and, and play to you guys. And one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was driving down I 65 and hearing myself on the radio for the first time. And, and, you know, I was a, I think I was a 34 year old grown man crying into the steering wheel because That's awesome. I, it was my dream in life that had come to fruition. So if you have something you want to do out there, it's not going to be easy, but just don't quit and just be persistent, be consistent, have a smile on your face and do the right thing and don't burn bridges and it will happen. And, you know, I wanted to play the Hollywood bowl when I was 21. I wanted to play the Madison square garden when I was 21. I didn't do that at 21. I did those when I was 41 and that's 20 years of people saying no, but I didn't stop. You can't, you can't stop. The, I hear people say the more they tell me no, the harder I push. Um, and you guys, like all of your shows are completely sold out, right? Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable and just, just you know, fills my heart that, that they're, they're coming to see Jason and we've got those same group of guys that finish each other's sentences and have been to each other's weddings and divorce parties and just... Yep. <laughs> We have been there for each other and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, surround yourself with birds of a feather. If you are in a position to hire people for your company, you can always teach people those hard skills, you know, but if you, you can't teach people to be likable and to have a, a, a good bedside manner. Yep. It's, it's definitely, and well, and I did, um, Jason and Brittany's wedding a couple of years ago in oh, Mexico. Yeah. And so got to know them very well through the wedding planning process and then traveling, you know, to Mexico together and a couple of the band members came. It was a small intimate thing. Um, but I, I, we hung out for a week and you know, it's like I was their planner, but they're, they were always, like come eat dinner with us and come do a tequila shot with us and cut. And I'm like, guys, I'm working. Like I, somebody's got to take care of you. Like I got to take care of you. Um, but they are just the funnest, nicest, most down to earth, like real people. And I think people forget that sometimes that just because people are in the public eye, like they're awesome people. They have a great heart. They have feelings. They shit in the same pot that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think people just 
forget that sometimes. And I, um, I know why you have been with them for so long because it's, it's funny. It's like nowadays in the music industry, people, I feel like the younger generation, they all move around where if you talk to the people who in, in, in our generation, they've played with the same people in the same bands for 20, 30, 40 years, like super loyal to each other because you're like a family. You really are. I really, is, I really love that culture. I do prefer it, you know, and I do have friends that come and go from different things and, and that's how they, it's, that's how they have to do it. But, uh, we just, we just really lucked out to have a, you know, a group of people that are friends and our colleagues, you know, all at the same time and to have gotten to experience so many, so many cool things. At the same time, if you're enjoying some success in some area of your life, you can't put all your eggs in that basket. You do have to create some other revenue streams and to stay relevant and to just to guard against things changing. Look at how quickly the music industry changed with Spotify and Pandora and file sharing and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to see where things are going and and have some other things going on for yourself. And I'm sure that's a valid point. And when I speak to people in corporate America, I say, hey, great guys, you know, uh, I've done 12 speeches for the folks at Cisco and they've had like so many layoffs over the years. And I see some familiar faces and I go, hey, you guys did a good job. You, uh, the ax fell and you weren't, you didn't have your head cut off. You still got a job. But at any moment you can go from a corporate employee to being self-employed. So you almost have to treat your life like you are your own boss and you have your, and you are an entrepreneur. You really do. And there's a lot of people that listen that, and I, this was me, like I went to school to be in healthcare and, you know, got my degree, worked in corporate America, worked in healthcare. And then it just, it never felt right. It wasn't that I was unhappy, but you don't know what really brings you happiness until you're doing it. And then you're like, this feels good. This is right. Like I need to do that and just take risk. You've got to be a risk taker and fail fast. And the faster you fail, I feel like the quicker you learn and then that just makes you that much better. So it's, it's just, if there's one takeaway that you could give to our listeners just through all of the stuff that you've been through in your entrepreneurial journey, like what would that one piece of advice be from all the experiences? Yeah. Um, I would say this is the takeaway for the, that I have for musicians. And I try to do things like little things like you're playing your per personality and your people skills, the three P's or for drummers, it's time, tone and technique. It's like the three T's, but I say play from the heart it will set you apart. So that can easily be applied to anyone in any business. When you're adding your heart, which could be, you know, your, which is like passion. If you're adding that to the mix, you can't fail if you're coming from the right place and you know what your why is. And that's why that book is so popular. Start with why. Because if you start with why and you know why you're doing everything in your life and it falls in line with your true purpose, then even if your revenue streams change or expand or shrink, you've always got the why. So play from the heart, it will set you apart. I love it. That's awesome. Such great takeaways today. I love it. Guys, if you are not following Rich over on 
his Facebook page at Rich Redman. You're going to want to do that because you can keep up with all that he is doing. The Rich Redman Show, which is a podcast, upcoming releases of events. Are you going to write another book? Yeah, I've got a I've got a book called The Power Principle, and power is going to be another acronym. So I, I'm kind of on this kind of chicken soup for the soul, you know, blank for dummies kind of like franchise where everything is going to be based on an easy to remember acronym. I love it. I, and and I it, like once I know it, it's like I'm not going to forget it, but you just have to say it a few times. And y'all definitely check out his newest book, the, the Crash Book, which is so easy to remember. But when I think of Crash, I think of like what's relevant. Like, is it a plane crash? Is it a car crash? You know, that's so bad. Um, but this is actually something really positive. That's why in the beginning, I'm like, what does Crash mean to you? And now it comple- I completely reframe and turn it around and think of like business and leadership. And yeah, so five ways to supercharge personal and professional life, which is huge. It make it, it sounds so easy, but books like this can definitely help you get ahead. And when you're going through those things where you're like, what about this? You think back to those books, at least I think back to Audible all the time. <laughs> I love it. I, yeah, I would, I would love everybody's support, you know, uh, you know, rate it, review it on Amazon. And like I said, in a nutshell, it's like, if you, if you commit to your product, to your service, to yourself, if you cultivate lifelong, mutually beneficial relationships, if you have a positive attitude, if you develop the skills, you need to be successful in your chosen field and you stay hungry for success in any season of your life, you will be successful. So it's easy to remember, easy to implement. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and your experiences that you shared with everyone today. I so appreciate your time because I know you're crazy busy. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, I, life is not bad. I am sitting here talking to you and looking out the window and there's not a cloud in the sky and there's palm trees and sunny Los Angeles. So wherever you are, just picture palm trees. Yeah. And good weather yeah. with like sunny, shiny, yeah, that's, that's awesome. You, you can paint the picture and live in it, even in a bad situation. I say that at, all the time when I have some of my sweet brides that are just freaking out over nothing. I'm that's like, this is not the I mean, picture you know, we're painting. are definitely in the business of changing people's lives. I mean, I know that that is, can be a very stressful thing. So to take that off of people's plates and just put and organize everything and say, I got you just show up in your dress. That's, you know, I take from somebody who has done it twice. <laughs> yep. Uh, pretty yep. powerful. Yeah. Yep. So our favorite, um, people to work with now are second and third marriages because people know what they want usually by the time they do it the second or the third time around. And most of our clients are over 30. So they're in their professional career and they let us do what we do. They're not like hovering over us constantly because they're busy and they're like, yeah, I've already done like the big thing. Like I just want to do something really intimate, but special and unique and fun and so when people say, yeah, I've done that a couple times, I'm like, well, don't feel bad. At least you know what you want, right? <laughs> exactly. But thank, yeah. But thank you so much. we got to wrap up because i got to go do another podcast. Because you thank- another one. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, you just keep in touch with me. All the socials are just at Rich Redmond. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Business Unveiled. Be sure that you are subscribing to this podcast so you do not miss those notifications when the new podcasts come out. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.